There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the USA and Sci-Fi channel. I'm Sean fangirl And I'm Steve, and tonight we'll be discussing episode five of season two of The Purge. Oh my god, this is like, really? Yeah, shit got real. (laughs) I'm just like, wow. That's basically all I can say. Especially with the opening. What the hell? (laughs) But it's interesting because we get a whole different view because we did see in, I think it was one of the movies, or was it the first season of this? I can't remember. Where they had some people coming from different countries. Yeah, I think that was out in one of the movies. Okay, so this is interesting. Though. But before we jump into that, you got some ratings news for us. Yes, episode five brought in a .22 in adults 18 to 49 with .569 million viewers, making it the 20th overall cable show for the night. Nice. Very good numbers. Yeah, that's because everyone's like, oh yeah, let's get into this. Yeah. I'm afraid that everybody's watching this because they're thinking, you know, this isn't a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. Retail purge. Anyway, <laughs> let's <laughs> talk about episode five, House of Mirrors. In the world of the purge, Ryan, Marcus, Esme, and Ben learn that some lines can't be uncrossed. Oh, okay. So, Literally. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. So the opening, we see some girls at a travel agency in... Rio, and they're looking to have a bachelorette weekend in New Orleans on Purge Night. What? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Not my choice of uh, weekends away. Yeah, I'm saying when when I was like, hey, let's do something for my bachelorette party, it wasn't, let's go kill a bunch of people. Yeah. But it's interesting that we see a travel agency and they're like, oh, yeah, we have a bunch of things for the Purge. You can go to all these different places in the States. And we have it where you can have the bodyguard, you get uh, weapons, you get this. It's like, wow. So this yeah. is, and, and this is going to sound horrible, but this is kind of like, in my in my mind anyway, the Black Friday of some of these travel agencies. Oh, absolutely. Like, people aren't necessarily traveling all over, but hey, let's go check out The Purge because this is something different. And like I said, we did see that previously. Those people ended up dead. But, yeah. um, it, which made me wonder, why would you choose this? And then when you have the bride go off to the bathroom, I don't know if that's supposed to be her sister or just a friend, is like, um, what's the return policy on, you know, return tickets in case we don't all make it back? And I'm instantly thinking, oh, damn, she's t- going to take out the bride or something. Yeah. <laughs> or she's thinking the bride has a list with her bridesmaids, which is like, why are they your bridesmaids? But this is just weird. Yeah, I'm not sure what to think about this because it doesn't sound like it's going to go well for some of them. I don't know how many. 
It might be the whole party. Yeah, I know. You have well, most people want to go to Vegas and just get totally shit faced. Right. And, yeah. and, and New Orleans would be a great place yeah, to go yeah. on Mardi Gras. Yeah, there but you go. But not on Purge Night. Hell no. Are you still hoping to have that bodyguard with you? It's like what I don't understand. Right. This is it's just weird. But anyway, all right. Let me get past that because I'm wondering if they're gonna go back to that at all. If we happen to see these girls again or just any other it's, traveling people. It's possible we might because we're already halfway to the next purge. Which actually surprises me because I honestly didn't think we'd get anywhere close time-wise. Right. I mean, I knew that it was going to be over the year. But the fact that we're already halfway to the next one, it's like, oh, are we going to see another one at the end of this, I wonder? We might. Hmm. Interesting. All right, let's jump in with Ryan and crew, because we have them on the north side of NOLA, and with that guy Carl, who was that friend of Tommy's, the one who I'm like, this guy is gonna screw everything up. Yeah. Well, he is arriving at what looks like a plantation-style home, and of course, upon arrival, there's staff, and they're like, oh, yes, the Parkers will be with you in a moment. It's like, oh, well, that's great. And he's like, all right, yeah, I'm going to get my hands on the vault. This is going to be easy peasy. I'm going to do everything I need, and I'm going to get a huge cut. Right. No. <laughs> because that would be too easy. Yeah. So instead of heading upstairs to the vault and the goodies, and he's supposed to do his job you know, as an appraiser. Uh, he's instead given a, an itemized list, and he's like, okay, bye-bye. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 hold on, hold on. And Carl, of course, is like trying to find a way to sell this because he's like, shit, I'm going to be out of money. So the worst part, he thinks he's got it. He's like, oh, you're, I'm not sure if this is, list is going to be good enough for my boss because you, I, there's protocols I have to follow, which is perfectly understandable. Right. Yeah. That Seems to be an, a legit reason. Yes, because if you're doing your job, it's like, no, 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 dude, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't get this done right. And, of course, the guy, Mr. Parker's like, oh, well, if he says that, tell him to call me. Or, you know what, we'll just talk when we play golf next. Well, shit, you picked the wrong yeah. person, didn't you? Sure did. Out of all the people, you have to pick the one that's cozy with your boss. Great job. Yep. So, what's the plan B? Well, we're going to break into the house and get into the safe. Really? Because this is non-purge and it's a crime. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'd be willing to do it. Because even Sarah's like, uh, I don't want to do anything illegal. Exactly. Apparently, purge night illegality is fine. Right. And Ryan says, hey, no weapons. It's only a Y-level crime. So I don't know what that means. Right, right. Apparently, it's you don't get purged for it. You know what? I don't believe any of that shit anymore, especially after no. what we've seen. Of course, yeah. Ryan hasn't seen what we've seen. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, hmm, you never know. But the crew decides, okay, all right, we can do it. We can make this work. So the only chance we have, as Ryan has put it, is to get the jammer into the vault. So whatever they're taking onto the planes will be already set with the jammer. Right. Great. Now, my thought is, if we're about six-ish months out, why do they already have their shit together to get on the plane? And will they never go in there again? 
Like, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Well, they just needed to find some way to get the jammer on the plane. Yeah, that, with some money. that I understood. And so, yeah, they figured if they could get into this vault and get the jammer in there, when it does come purge night, that that vault is going to end up on a plane with the rest of the bank's money. I just didn't understand why those people had the stuff all together already in the vault. Like, I feel like it wouldn't be done this early. Well, I mean, very rich people have safes in their house that they keep all their valuables in anyway. Yeah, and it was like a portable vault. Yeah, it wasn't something that is locked in a wall, but... This was just, I don't know. looked like a giant golf bag to me, like a (laughs) hard-sided golf bag, but... Right. Let me see. Doug decides... He's going to be the guy who's the lookout at the country club. All right. Doug seems very everyday guy. And right. doesn't seem to me like he would be the guy to send to the country club. Because he didn't have like an expensive car. He wasn't wearing kind of expensive clothes. And I know that's kind of a stereotype that everybody who joins a country club is rich and snooty. But look at these people. They are rich and snooty. Right. So I just feel like at least like rent an expensive car or something yeah something and park so far away and use binoculars to keep an eye on them don't park like right in front i'm thinking okay you were a cop right yeah so you should at least have some kind of idea about undercover or stakeout or something not to be like i'm gonna get right up in front be like everybody look at me because i'm right at the putting green yeah uh no Although, at the same time, it didn't seem to be too snooty because there wasn't, like, security and a gate to keep anyone right. out. Right, yeah. Maybe if they had sent the girl, like, maybe they wouldn't have approached if she had a nicer car. But, yeah, he just looks like everyday guy, not even, like, I'm a golf guy. And, I'm sorry, maybe get some information on names of people who should be there. Right. It just felt not so great. <laughs> like, yeah. You knew it was going to go horribly wrong. Pretty much. Uh, Especially when all of a sudden the guards come to talk to him, which I'll get there in a minute. But it's like, all right, he instantly got defensive. And I'm like, this is not good. No. I did not know who was going to screw this up. I just knew this was going to go bad. Right. Because the team, of course, is in the house. And you have that dimwit. Yeah. Why do you have him up front? And then it turns out he has a gun. Great. That changes the type of crime this is. Yes, absolutely it does. Dumb shit. Yeah. And why Ryan didn't take the gun and get it outside, I don't know. Because if you know that that's going to could possibly lead to your death, I think I would get rid of it first. Right. And Ryan finds the vault right away. And Sarah's like, oh, crap, this is going to be harder than originally thought. And Doug's just like, oh, yeah, everything's great. They're still playing golf. No, no, everything goes to shit. Because this is when security comes and starts questioning Doug. And like I said, he got defensive. He was right in the front. It just seemed like a bad plan with him. Right. Maybe he was not the surveillance guy. Maybe he's more of the muscle. I don't know. (laughs) He's a getaway driver. Because Sarah does get the jammer finally in the vault, which... This doesn't seem good because, all right, that's done. Doug is getting back in his car. And here, here's my thought. They had a threesome playing golf. How the hell long did they take to get that jammer in? 
And I say this because I know how long it takes for my husband to golf when it's just uh, yeah. him and maybe his his father. When it's just him by himself, he's when he's playing eight holes, it's still a couple hours. Right. So did they not actually play golf? Were they just screwing around on the putting green, went for lunch? Or how long did security have dug in there? It's right. like, I'm having all these questions because I have an idea of a timeline for golf. Oh, absolutely. And I'm like, all right, what the hell? Right. And of yeah. course- It doesn't, doesn't appear to me that they were actually there to play golf. I think they were there to possibly have lunch and hit the putting green. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think. The only right. thing. Yeah. And meanwhile, Doug's downstairs swiping a pocket watch. Oh, Carl, not Doug. Yeah, Carl. Oh, my God. And he goes, and- wanders off. He's supposed to be watching the front door. Right. Do, 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 and do, he's do. wandering around, eyeing that, that painting. painting that he com- commented on. What are you doing, you moron? Yeah. Because you're not watching the front. You're not paying attention if any of the house staff is coming back. You're just like wandering because what? You have super good hearing? Because obviously the answer to that is no. Exactly. Oh my God. Like as soon as he started, I'm like, they're dead. They're all dead. Yeah. That's all I kept saying. And what happened? Well, Carl's dead. Carl's like, how did you not hear anybody come in the door, walk in, have a freaking gun? And I mean, granted, at that point, when it's behind you, you don't have have any chance because it was a shotgun, right? That took its face right. off. Yeah. It's like, well, they heard that upstairs. Well, shit, we're in trouble. Now, again, I'm thinking, okay, you're upstairs. What about the window? I mean, second floor, I'm sure it's not just a huge fall. Right. Maybe go out the window, climb down, something. I don't know. Especially when they start hearing the sound. The sound of lockdown. Right. Well, yeah, my ass would be going out a window then. Because if they're going to be locked in the house, even if it's just an extra five minutes, that gives you five minutes to get the hell off the property. Right. Oh, my God. No, no. Well, yeah. I was so frustrated with them. Obviously, you can tell, right? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Because they're like, oh, there's no way for us to get out. Really? There's no way? Because the Parkers are suddenly armed and dangerous. They're ready to take out whoever's in the house. And they inform them, oh, you're not making it out alive. Right. Again. I mean, they had one hell of an armory. Yeah, again. Holy crap. Break that window. <laughs> get out the. Get out that window. It's going to take them a minute to get that thing to turn around and go back up. Right. But Ryan is like, no, we can get out of this. Even though the Parkers aren't backing down. No. And they have a nice little shootout. A couple of the staff actually gets shot, yeah. so you're talking murder now. Right. So where the hell was the staff when they had done all this? Because I didn't think anybody was there. Right. This is so weird. So the only thing Ryan can think of is like, oh, we can get out of this. We're going to call the cop. Say what? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. What? How? How is this? Well, yeah, you're going to get arrested, but yeah, I guess because you didn't do any of the shooting. Well, they do but he it. did. But he did, so what are you doing, Ryan? You're committing suicide to commit suicide? Yeah, it's like, (laughs) what? This is weird. But they are arrested, they're taken away, and the cops that are called are people that he knew. Now, of course, Sarah's like, we're dead. We're dead. This is how we die. Yep. And it's like, no, because who do they end up in front of? Yeah, the vehicle that they're in turns and goes down a... A deserted road, and 
meet up with a couple other cop cars, and sure enough, it's their former boss. And Sarah's like, just pretty much swearing up a storm. called her? Right. He's like, yeah, listen, we were going to die otherwise. And Sarah just can't believe what's up. Doug is actually there to rescue them, which is interesting. So Doug got back to the house and was watching what was happening then. Now, that obviously was off camera, but he would not have known where to go otherwise. Right. But Ryan's like, no, 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 no. Listen, she's trying to cut us a deal. We'll cut her in. We're already down a person. And, well, this will help us one way or another. And they're going to move forward with their plan, but she's in complete control now. Now, my thought is, okay, he's going to use her to get everything they need to help get the jammer on the planes. But I think he's going to take her out than before. Like before yeah, everything's very possible. Done. Right. Yeah, that's very possible. So we'll see what happens with that. Right. So let's jump to Esme, whose boss decides to come to her from some stats that she has not finished up yet. She's like, oh, oh, yeah, I'll get those for you by the end of the day. Except there's something else on her mind. As we see flashbacks. Oh, we go back 10 years. And her sister, Sophia. We don't really know a whole lot about Sophia because it's just kind of been mentioned a little bit here and there. Right. But interesting because in this flashback, Esme goes to her her dad's house. And apparently this is after their mother have died. Right. And her dad is crabbing about his the younger sister not doing anything. And so she goes in to talk to her sister. and two pill bottles fall out of her bag and Esme's like what are you doing why are you taking this what's going on of course I mean makes sense right and I mean she's saying she's hurting because her mom died I get it I get all of it oh absolutely but then when she kind of grabs her arm to be like I'm hurting too she like flinches and she's like what are you hiding now I again went a whole different route thinking maybe she's like cutting herself because she's right yeah that yeah i was expecting to see cut marks on her arm as well but nope no apparently her father has been beating her since her mother died and it gets worse when he drinks so at first like based on what she said i wasn't 100 percent that it was just beating her right and yeah i didn't either i immediately you know especially when one of the bruises were was on her breast, I was going, oh, no, 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 no. This is much worse than a beating. Yeah. Or he's just freaking psychotic. Yeah. So Esme, of course, is like going to protect her sister. So she starts packing her stuff. She's like, get your stuff now. We got to go. And she's like, you believe me? Like, she didn't think she would, which kind of makes me wonder what kind of relationship they had previous. But we get kind of back and forth like flashbacks with her, like flashback, flash forward kind of thing, where they're at Esme's apartment and she has the job with the NFFA and she's like, her sister's not happy about it. But we also see like the now that she's at home and she's giving information to a foundation or some person to break into the NFFA. Like, I want to say website, but that's not what I'm looking for. Like security area. and. Back and forth, back and forth. So we have something kind of just in your head, like, well, personally, whatever, in my head, I should say. Is she going to survive? Is she going to even survive until the purge? Right. I'm thinking not. I'm thinking you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have a feeling that 
the NFFA is going to be coming after her very quickly. Especially because she keeps investigating about these people who've been murdered. And now she's trying to prove that Olivia Hughes was murdered. And she tells the other woman that the family has a right to know. And it's like, lady, you are really trying to get yourself killed. I don't know if she honestly thinks that she won't be murdered or what. Well, she's always had that pro-NFFA. And even though the things that have happened have at least got her questioning everything, all the stuff that the NFFA is putting out there, you would think that she would kind of go, if they got rid of Drew, they could get rid of me. Right. Doesn't matter that you work for them. Right. (laughs) Now, it is nice to know that there is a group out there called the Foundation that's looking to take the NFFA down. Well, we hope that it'll work. Yeah. We do get, like I said, the flashback again of Esme talking to her sister, insisting that she needs to go see the therapist, Dr. Adams, which the fact that they specifically said the name, I feel like that's going to be a thing. Right. And she doesn't want to see the doctor because nothing's helping. Well, okay, what's going to happen? This is what I don't know. Because what we see is Esme leave the apartment and then her sister grabs a bunch of stuff and a shit ton of money that apparently her sister had stashed away at the house. So maybe she doesn't trust the government that much. Right. And she heads out the door. It's like, what? Oh my God, what are you doing? I think that's a bad idea. Right. And then we come back to the now and you see Esme going dark. You see that because she's unplugging like everything. Right. And why? Because a hacker comes in and it's the one I was talking about that decides they're going to help. They're going to get in. Great. It'll be, it'll be perfect. I don't think it will be perfect. No. And of course, this hacker's like, all right, I can help, but I can only help so far. And they're diving in. And as she's diving in, we get another flashback. Now, I was getting a little irritated with the back and forth. Yeah. Personally, because- I had it a little difficult to follow both all three stories. Right. Because we have, Going back to a purge night, we, and we don't know how long after her sister moved out. I'm right. assuming it was probably the one immediately following this. You would think, yeah. Because she goes to see her father, and it's really close to purge time. And you see the interaction between Esme and her father. And, and he's like, I'm so glad you came here, and I don't want to be alone. And she confronts him. Damn, you decided to confront him with like five minutes left. This just isn't a good idea, in my opinion. No. Because <laughs> you need to get your ass out of there just in case. So she ends up locking him out of his house. And she bolts herself in. And he's outside screaming and pounding on the door and saying all, all sorts of things. Let me in. Don't you love me? No, because she's pissed. And she starts praying. I believe she was praying. In Spanish. I was like trying to think of the the prayer. Hail Mary, I think. And as he's begging for his life and banging on the door, a car full of purgers arrive outside. And he's like, oh, shit. Whining like Nick. Yes. (laughs) He's like, crap, what are we going to do? And these guys are like, oh, I guess somebody doesn't love you, Poppy. I'm like, oh, damn. I didn't hear the siren start, but apparently it started. Right. They started a little early and nobody's really worried because all you hear is the screams and Esme is like all right this happened yep and when we come back her and the hacker are talking and typey 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 okay well i can only get so far without triggering anything right and then suddenly 
like she knocks her phone off and there's like this weird static and they both stop and Esme's like, I turned everything off. Right. But what happened? There is something planted in her purse. It's a bug. We don't know if it was just a listening or a tracking or what the deal is. Right. But the hacker's like, gotta go. Yeah, I'm out of here. And Esme's like trying to hurry the woman out of the house because she is super screwed. Yeah. And why she stayed there is beyond me that I would be disappearing as fast as possible. No joke. <laughs> then we have Marcus and Michelle. And I love the fact that we are still getting everybody in this. Right. But breaking it down where it's like, okay, you can follow each one. It wasn't too much of any one person, even though you kind of wanted more. Right. So Marcus seems to be really trying to get his, his shit together for the next purge. Because he is stocking up on guns. And he is just so consumed with the person who tried to kill him. He's got the private investigator. He's got that information out there on that dark website, Ivory yes. Road. And, and it's like he can't think about his own life. Absolutely. And apparently there's been a bunch of responses on Ivory Road, which really makes me think, all right, how many are legit? I would say probably 95% of them aren't. Right. Especially when he offers drugs. <laughs> right. But apparently there's a very intriguing response. Saw your post, have what you're looking for, but need to do this offline with a link, which he clicks on it. And I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> are you dumb? Because if they're not waiting until next purge. That, yeah, he has what you need. The end of his gun. Yeah. The bullet end. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what the hell? So he does. He meets up with this dude in a garage, which I'm assuming somewhere where there's no cameras. Right. Dramatic. It's like, why not just wear a trench coat and sunglasses at this point? Yes. <laughs> and he's like, what do you want? Drugs? Fine. I'll give up some pharmaceuticals for exchange. And he's like, no, 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 no. Listen, dude. Names have consequences. I don't want drugs. I need a doctor. Because there's people who need doctors and not hospitals. And I'm yeah. like, somehow I don't feel like this is a good Samaritan. No. <laughs> no. This is somebody in the mafia. I didn't go there all the way. I was thinking almost like, all right, is it some underground almost purge club? Or smugglers, you know, yeah. human smugglers, or yeah, could be that too. Yeah, I wasn't sure, but it just sounds like Marcus is going to be in big trouble. Yeah. Now, I don't know why he just wouldn't let this investigator do her job. Right. But no, he's going to put himself in danger. But of course, Marcus is like, yeah, all right, let's do it. So Albert, who is this guy in the know, he ends up coming to the house. He's like, Knock, knock. I got somebody who needs your help. And Marcus is freaking out because he's like, well, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, we had an agreement. We made a deal. Yep. But you're going to want to open the garage. I don't think anybody wants to see what's happening here. Yeah. And I love it because Marcus is like, uh, uh, okay. So he lets the guy in and throws everything off the, the dining room table. And I almost want to say, how is there so much stuff on the table? And then I look at my table and I'm like, no, there's a lot of crap on there. So, yeah, I get it. <laughs> but he's like trying to figure out, oh, how is this leg so inflamed? Maybe it's this or this. And the guy's like, I don't care. And don't ask questions. Right. And it's like, oh, it's something else. It's like a bullet or something. But he's concentrating 
on what's in front of him. And he misses the text from his wife saying, oh, I'll be home soon. Do you need anything? Great. What's going to happen? Is she going to walk in? Is it going to be a huge mess? Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> and it almost uh, is. Yes, because when she walks in, she's just, oh, whose car is that? Because ah! a guy pulls a gun on her. And Albert's like, whoa, 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 ma'am, your husband and I have an agreement. Just calm down. We'll be out of your hair in a minute. And dude, put the gun down. Yeah. <laughs> and Marcus finishes up. Guy's bandaged up, ready to go. And Albert's like, being a man of my word, here's the name you're looking for. And I'm thinking, is it going to be somebody that they know? Is it going to turn out to be Michelle? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm freaking out. Like, what's happening? But they sit down, they read the name, and Michelle is visibly upset. Yeah. And Marcus oh, is uh, like, oh. what's going on? And I'm just thinking, oh, God, was it somebody like she was fighting with Marcus one day? It's like, oh, God, he could just die. I'm done with him. Something like that. And somebody right. way out of context. No, it turns out that the person's name is Sam and Sam and Michelle had an affair. Yeah. And of course, Marcus is pissed. Oh, absolutely he is. And the way she tries to explain it away, it's like, I never thought you'd you'd find out. Well, shit, I almost <laughs> died. Maybe <laughs> your crazy ex-lover had something to do with it. Maybe you should have thought about it. How long ago did this happen? Right. Timelines match up to win. Yep. Last summer. Some strange man ended up at his exes. Yep. I'm like, oh, crap on toast. <laughs> And of course, I don't want to lose you. It's like, really? You think of this now? I almost died. Yeah. And your ex-lover is going to probably be the death of me because he went all sorts of psycho over here. Yeah. Like, fatal attraction? He went above and beyond that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's not just boiling bunnies, all right? That's all I'm saying. Right. So and speaking of psychos... <laughs> Yeah, this is what Ben, Ben and Kellen. Oh yeah, let's, we're gonna have dinner with Andy. That's my new friend, my new purge friend. And Kellen brought along her friend Bonnie. Well, this was a bad move. Oh, absolutely, it was. Because I kind of feel bad for Andy, just a little bit, <laughs> because he seems like one of those kind of awkward people that's gonna discuss only. Like, what is on his mind at the moment. Right. Which, apparently, The Purge is what's on his mind. He's like, oh, yeah, this is this book and, and this and, oh, about the beginning of The Purge. And, like, he's super excited about it. And they managed to talk him into going to get more drinks for the girls. And that's when they all started talking about him. And Bobby's yeah. like, I would have already left if I wasn't afraid of ending up on his damn Purge list that he's been <laughs> talking about. And Ben's like, what? He's a nice guy. And I swear to God, the girls both looked at him like, are you serious? Yeah. He's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. And you would think Kellen would start to wonder about her boyfriend after that comment. Right. I mean, he he's just like, what? He's nice. It's like, he's awkward, whatever. But no. And of course, instead of letting things go, because we've Fast forward, uh, I'm assuming it's just a couple days. Right. Ben and, and Andy are playing video games, and Andy's like, so, what did she say about me? Do you think we, we're going to go out again? And thankfully, and I do say thankfully, because if Ben had said, no, she thought you were creepy, 
I really yeah. think she would have ended up on the list. Oh, absolutely she would have. But he lies, and he's like, oh, Kellen said she's getting back together with her ex. And Andy's like, that's some bullshit. <laughs> and he might have put her on his list. Like, anyway? Yeah. I don't know. I was hoping not, but then we seen that in first season. Bad yep. date. Who knows? Like, crazy. Yep. And, of course, Andy's like, what did I do wrong? And Ben's like, ugh, next time lay off of the purge talk. The girls just aren't into that. And Andy calls Ben out for being afraid to talk about the purge and the purge side of himself. It's like, dude, no. Women just don't want to talk about that stuff. And Andy's like, they make you feel guilty about your instincts and being able to hunt. But it's a fact. The NFFA have already said, you know, it's our right. We're supposed to be able to do this. And this is when things, in my opinion, got a little interesting. Because yes. Ben knows, obviously, that the NFFA has hidden the fact about that one guy's death. Yeah. But he, Andy said that there was a rumor about the creator's death, which, if you've seen the movie, we know what it is, and the NFFA right. hid that. And, of course... Ben does actually question, well, how come if it's okay one, one day a year, 12 hours, whatever it is, I can't remember, why is it bad every other t- day of the year? And Andy's like, oh, because it is. No, dude. That's like saying, okay, one day of the year, you can eat chocolate. Every other day of the year, it's bad for you. Right. There's a reason you're <laughs> not supposed to do things. And eating chocolate is not one of those things. But Murder is a bad thing. Yes. It's like, come on, come on. And Ben admits that he knows what happened to the strawberry farmer because he purged him. And I love that because Andy's just like, okay. And he's like, it wasn't on purge night. And Andy all of a sudden kind of freaks out. Why would you do something like that? He's like, dude, I'm just messing with you. Although he didn't, didn't click with it right away. No. And Andy doesn't believe him. Nope. Boy, that was a bad move on your part, Andy. Yep. Because <laughs> he's about to head out and old doesn't make it out, out the door. Oh, because now Andy's purged. Yep. But what we see is Ben's wallet, like, on the bed. Yeah. I'm like, oh, crap. Because he's, like, cleaning off the knife on his and his prints and exits the room. When you leave him laying in front of the door... Hello, he's bleeding. That's going to come out from under the door. Yeah. And aren't there cameras, like, everywhere? There should be. But what was weird is when Ben starts leaving, all of a sudden the fire alarm is pulled and everybody has to evacuate. And Ben's, like, realizes he left his stuff up in the, the room and he has to get back in. And, of course, nobody wants him in because, hello, there's fire. We have to investigate. He manages to, to sneak back in. Yeah. And gets to the room, grabs his stuff, and, like, took probably about a second for him to realize, wait a minute, the body's not here. It's gone. Yeah. Oh, crap. And so then I'm starting to think, so somebody's watching. And that's where they did it. They put yeah. a fire alarm because they um, knew he did it, and they're trying to cover something. Right. But then I'm not sure, because then we see bloody footprints and, like, splatter. And I guess Andy wasn't dead. At least it seems that way. Right. So. Ben is following all the blood drops, and he finds that it's at the elevator, and it's going down to the lobby because, of course, they clear clear the dorm, and everybody can come back in. And 
Ben is this, I'm sure, thinking to himself, I am boned. Yeah, he should. <laughs> and he's just standing there kind of staring at the elevator. And as it opens down in the lobby, a girl screams. Yeah. Because Andy is on the floor holding his stomach where he was stabbed. Now, do you think that somebody is, like, helping Ben? Oh, it's very possible. Ah. They covered up the strawberry farmer, so it wouldn't surprise me if they're trying to cover this up, too. But having a whole bunch of college students see a bloody Andy in the elevator, probably dead by now. I mean, are they going to try to play it off like he killed himself? Which... I I don't think this. Well, yeah, I I don't know how the NFFA is going to get out of this one either. Yeah, they they got a whole bunch of students that know something. You know, that's not quite a suicide attempt. (laughs) That's not how things work. No, I'm sure the to the general public they will be able to play it off and not get any suspicion. But the kids in the college will know better. Now, what I didn't notice, because they didn't really focus on him, if somehow, because he liked all the, like, bows and arrows. Yep. Like, if they're going to have, like, a bow, st- or, I mean, an arrow sticking out, like, he was messing with it and shot himself. Like They so. could probably pull that off, yep. So, that's a thought. I guess we'll see. Yep. Oh, my gosh. So. Uh, cleaning his gun and accidentally shot himself. Right. Know, type of thing, yep. So what do you guys think? We want to know because obviously I get really animated with this. So <laughs> shoot us an email at sci-fi talk. That's S-Y-F-I talk at fangirlzone.com. Let us know your thoughts on the show, on the episode, on just the fact that they did series, how it compares to the movies, everything. And while you're at it, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about the show. Especially if they like the movies, they're going to love these. And we, of course, hope you're enjoying the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Craziness. And we're not done. No, we're only (laughs) halfway through. I'm excited. So for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I am Sean Fangirlass. And I'm Steve. But names have consequences, and they come at a price. And until next time.